Nut Nerd Podcast, Episode 76. Get your pants off. Welcome to Episode 76 of the Nut Nerd Podcast. I am Nate Heath, and I'm here with Mr. Dave Baylor. Our centennial, bicentennial yes. episode. No, our just 76. <laughs> 1776. Yeah. Cool year in United States history. Yeah. This would have been better timed if we'd have done this with, with the Hamilton craze. That oh, was out yes. There. That's yeah. true. That would have been a little more relevant. 76 station. Are those gas stations I, still around? Hey, it is relevant because I got gas at the 76 station today. Nice. So, right by your house. This was actually one in Tualatin. Oh, but but there is one better. right by my house. Yes. Mm-hmm. Good so, old 76 station episode here. <laughs> so We're going to fill you up with tech goodness. The quality of their fuel is has no comparison. Yes. Well, they probably have some tech name. All the gas, tech gasoline, Edron, yeah, exactly. Enron, and because if they say that your gas has technology, then you're supposed to. Gas doesn't matter. Pro no. tip: just get what's convenient. Look at the holistic cost. Here's another thing I've done as I've aged, and I think it's an age thing. When I was younger, it'd be like, yeah, this this station, it's 12 cents higher than the one down the road, so I'm going to get only 10 bucks here, and then I'm going to go down there tomorrow and fill up. I don't do that anymore. The holistic cost. <laughs> Wherever yeah. I am, I fill it up. I think it's because I'm old. Yeah, you're wiser. That's I'm why. wiser. Um, it's yeah, every worth- once in a while I'll be at a gas station, and I see somebody that's like, can I have $2 of gas? And I'm just like, Oh man, Those that days. is not a fun place to be in. That's like college days for me. So we're going to give you guys some tech knowledge so that you do not have to worry about only having $2 for gas because yeah. we'll help you save money, make money, whatever you want to do with technology. That's why we're here. And we will make you wise. Yes, we will. So we've got some follow-up. I really quickly wanted to bring up, and I shouldn't have put the number in there. <laughs> no, I'm looking at it now. It's like Because that makes me. it tough for how much would you pay. The Tim Cook lunch, I did find, I went back and looked um, last year. It was, I think it was about episode seven, uh, that last year's lunch, and it went for 515000 Wow. This year it went for... Almost six hundred ninety thousand, six hundred and eighty-eight thousand nine hundred ninety-nine dollars. There was thirty bids, so somebody is paying seven hundred thousand dollars to have lunch with Tim Cook at the new Apple Park campus. It, I mean, honestly, it's the person wants the money to go to charity. I'm sure. Yes. Because no matter what you ask, buddy, old Tim, he's not going to really give you any inside dirt or any information. Yeah. It's just it's it's a hunting mount on your wall of being able yeah. to say I had, you know, I would guess it's 700,000. It's probably going to be some large corporation where it's one of the head guys and maybe it's a company donation and mm. he gets to go, then he gets to say, you know, at the golf club that he had lunch with Tim yeah. Cook and yeah. status symbol. What but, did you do this weekend, Tom? Well, <laughs> me and my buddy Tim were, yes. To, oh, did I mention it was Tim Cook? Yes. At the new Apple campus. Yeah. Uh, yes. So almost 700000 And it does go to charity. So mm-hmm. that's cool. Another quick follow-up item. The WannaCrypt ransomware that I completely butchered on last week's uh, episode. No, I mean, it was good information. The overall points I had yeah. right. Some of the specifics I was wrong on. Yeah. Uh, the big picture I was right on. And uh, But I did write an article before the episode came out to give people the correct information as you can imagine, many of my 
tech podcasts, mm-hmm. spent a lot of time talking about this over the last week. I was uh, watching one today. It's Know How from the Twit Network, and mm-hmm. it's Father Robert Balasar, yeah, who is actually a Jesuit priest, but they call him the Digital Jesuit because he pretty much runs, my understanding, runs the technology for the Jesuit mm-hmm. organization, and uh, so he's always got his collar on. I don't yeah. know the correct term for the... Uh, the Catholic collar yeah. that the priests wear, and uh, but he works on tech and does a lot of enterprise type stuff. So he was talking about it, and one of the big things, I believe I might have mentioned, I know I mentioned it in the article, was the fact that everybody, normal people that aren't in the security network security world, mm-hmm. kind of think, well, they've got it fixed, it's gone. And he was talking about the fact that there's new strains coming out there's oh boy. a bunch of, I mean, it is not over. Luckily, as long as you get have your computer updated, you should be good for this one. But mm-hmm. uh, last Monday, we recorded on Sunday, last Monday morning, we I was in with my buddy's office and mm-hmm. we were just kind of knocking on wood that nobody was going to call us with any issues. Well, we had one of our clients that uh, is in the financial realm. Mm. They called and said that they had clicked on a link in an email that they shouldn't have. Mm. And it wasn't related to the WannaCrypt. It was actually DocuSign, yeah. which is one of the most, it's for signing documents online. And if you're a financial institution or a company, you're going to be doing that all the time. Yeah. So it's not like unheard of. So super secure. So she had received an email and had been doing a bunch of DocuSign documents going back and forth. And she received an email and just wasn't thinking, clicked the link. Luckily, the firewall, because they have high network security that we provided them, Mm -hmm. the firewall blocked, knew to block because it was like a Russian uh, link, a Russian website. It wasn't even trying to fake like it was DocuSign, but the email looked like it was from DocuSign. Mm -hmm. Well, we found out Tuesday morning on one of my you know, network security blogs I follow, like we all do, right? Mm-hmm. We get up in the morning and sure. we read our network security yeah. I wake, blogs. I, sometimes I just wake up early because I can't wait to yeah. get out of bed and look at a network blog. Yeah. <laughs> TMZ and Schneier on security. I mean, that's what people are into these days. Yeah. Anyways, I wake up and I see this email and I had, I had worked with her and we did some scans on her computer. Pro tip, a quick Reminder, malware bytes. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned that one before. And I'm so glad you did because I've been using that. Yes. Windows and Mac, they bought a guy who did a Mac version of it and rolled it into theirs. They have a free scan tool. though. On Windows, they'll give you a free premium trial, but you can go into the settings and turn that off. But it is a great way just to do a scan. They actually, on Windows now, they're in beta. They have a root kit scanner. Mm which rootkits are outside of the operating system. So it's even harder to find. So they're working on some stuff with that too. But Malwarebytes, great way to do a scan, get stuff cleaned up for free. Good company. Link in the show notes. Well, the the easiest pro tip is to just keep your operating system up to date. Yes. There's no reason to let these things sit around. Just update it. And most of the time you'll be in the clear. And that's... Most of the problem with this ransomware was the fact that it's these old Windows XP systems that cannot update because it's a whole infrastructure for many hospitals, the Mm -hmm. whole healthcare system, and they can't do 
upgrades without replacing every single computer, every single software, custom software, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So they kind of get stuck. But us as consumers, unless you have a very specific reason for some special software you use, there's really no reason not to keep updated. So we ran a scan on her computer, everything checked out, and she let me know that because this one was bad, if you you downloaded a Word document, and mm -hmm. if you opened that, it would install through macros mm -hmm. a little piece of malware that would then start shooting out requests for all these different malwares and just installing everything under the sun. Wow. It's like, I'm in, guys. Yeah. Come on So, in. I mean, basically, if she would have been able to download the document, it blocked. When she clicked the link, it came up and says, this website cannot be loaded. And so that's when she contacted us and kind of realized. But another pro tip... I was able, she still had the email in her deleted items and mm. I remoted into her screen and was, as I was looking over everything. And, and then you clicked it and infected <laughs> yes, her machine. I no. did a bypass on the <laughs> firewall. No. Uh, so I opened up the email and there, a lot of people don't know what to look for in an email to give you the idea. It used to be the spelling would be horrible or like the logo's the wrong color. They just didn't put any time, but now they're mm -hmm. making it look really good. So we went in and we looked at the uh, from address, the actual from address on the email, and it was anthony at docus.com. Mm. So instead of docusign, D-O-C-U-S, mm -hmm. which you would think, hey, that's yeah. pretty close. Yeah, you just, you're just glancing. Yeah, but that's the first thing to check. The second thing to check, if you just hover over, if you're on your computer, hover over the link, it will show you the link, and it was like, some weird domain.ru Russia. Mm -hmm. So that would have been a pretty good thing. And I understand we all, we all get in a hurry. We look for convenience. We're just mm -hmm. clicking through things. But just stop, slow down, think about it. Think, is this an email I'm expecting to have an attachment from this person? Is it from who it actually says it is? Mm -hmm. And is this link going where I actually think it's supposed to go? So those three things will help you head off a lot of this malware stuff and keep you a lot safer. Because once again, you do not want to be that person in your company no. that causes everything. Because this, with the WannaCrypt, it's a worm. So it once it gets in, it spreads to everything it possibly can. Mm -hmm. And that's why over 250,000 computers were infected with it. That is uh, crazy. Yes. But what a time to be alive. So true. On to some more fun yet equally yeah. as creepy. What is this information? Thing? So back on episode 72, oh, I saw the link. We were talking to talking about Google's quick draw. Mm -hmm. And where you can draw something, it was our dolphin picture episode yeah, if you remember. Careful drawing dolphins. <laughs> careful drawing dolphins. So basically what you could do is go in draw something, and then it would guess what you were actually drawing. Well, Google has released every single sketch for everything that happened. So 50 million drawings. You can go on this website and check them out. So like you can scroll through here and find one that you want to look at. So let's go I, to pants. Okay. Pants. So we click on pants, and it literally, you can watch them draw on your screen. Yeah, it's and a it shows animated. every single person who drew and selected pants. It shows what they drew 
and you can just scan through this forever. And if you hover on it, it actually shows how they drew it, mm-hmm. which is craziness. It's recording all that data. Yeah. So this gives you a good idea of what Google has a capability to. This is a good visualization of the kind of data that Google takes on your searches, from your emails, all this stuff to give you the best results. I clicked on camel and there are many of these creatures that look like dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. So maybe they were trying to draw a dinosaur and then they just clicked on camel. So it's not... That's not a camel. Come on. Yes. So I think it's very interesting. We'll post a link in the show notes, but just fascinating to see how much information they have. And along with that, I'll talk a little bit about Google had their I.O. conference this last week, which mm-hmm. is their developer conference. I watched the keynote presentation okay. online. I was not there. They were at a amphitheater in Northern California, the Bay Area. And they one of the problems, I'm sure we talked about last year as well. One of the problems with Google I.O., their developers conference, is they talk about a lot of stuff that is coming at some point. Right. And they don't really always get to get around to releasing these products. They talk about it. Yeah. You have to talk about everything. Take everything with a grain of salt at the Google IO conference because there is a lot of pipe dreams. One of the things that I heard kind of a consensus is last year they were really talking about how AI is going to be the big thing this year. 2016 Mm -hmm. is the year of AI. And then this year, the 2017 one, they're kind of like, this is AI, AI, we're really doing AI. So it's kind of just an extension of last year. But they they really have some interesting stuff coming with, they've basically created their own servers for machine learning. Mm -hmm. And now they're saying that their machine learning is learning from the machine learning. The neuro networks are learning from the neuro networks. Don't these people watch movies? I know. I know. It's uh, as a reminder to me, my home Wi Fi network is titled Skynet. Yes. Because I don't ever want to forget what happened in the Terminator movies. Yes. Yes. So they they have a lot of interesting stuff. We'll see what comes out of it. They didn't really talk much about consumer stuff. They are updating Google Photos with some oh, new good. features. Yeah, they're doing some great sharing stuff, photo sharing. So you could have a shared album with your significant other Mm. in any picture with, let's say your wife, any picture that you take with your wife in it, it would automatically share that to her. Come on, Apple. You can't even effectively share anything with (laughs) Apple's service. Well, you can. (laughs) iCloud shared photo libraries work very well for our family, but Mm -hmm. Google Photos is cross-platform. So besides Google Photos, one of the big things that they announced was Google Lens, okay, which works with Google Photos and also their Google Assistant, which, quick sidestep, Google Assistant is their kind of version of Siri, mm-hmm. while they're pushing that out to iOS as well through oh. the Google app. So it can't be nice. the default like Siri is, right. but a lot of people like a lot of things about Google Assistant. Mm-hmm. So Google Lens works through both of those. And this is the future. I mean, so you basically just hold your camera up and it will tell you what it is. You hold it up to a business, it'll show you reviews. So it's automatically mm-hmm. processing these photos and, and giving you information. some of technology has been around a long time. Yes. But it's, it's, it's more of a gimmick and a toy back then. Now it's 
machines are faster and they're able to process more information. Yes. Yes. We have more data now than we used to have. Yeah. So you figure with all the street view information they have for Google street view, Mm -hmm. plus all the photos that they've been able to analyze. I forget what they said. It's like 2 billion photos are uploaded per day with Google photos or something. And they're processing through all those and location data they know exactly where you're at. So when you hold that up, it'll give you all the information you need. And it's even more than that. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen these and you remember me saying that if the service is free, you're the product. Yes. So I had to do this a couple of times, past couple of days. Many times when you log into a website, it's like, now hang on a second. We got to make sure you're not a robot. And it's like, click the pictures with the automobile. Click the pictures with a storefront. Uh, Ooh, does that sound familiar? Yes. They know what storefronts are is because they've had human curators going through and doing these robot tests for years now with thousands and thousands and thousands of iterations a day. So they know exactly what a storefront is. And so when you hold up your little word lens, it says, you know, Papa Murphy's Pizza. They know that that's Papa Murphy's Pizza because people have confirmed that a thousand times over. Yes. So they're using those little tools, those little captures. Uh, One time, just a a little iteration on this, used to be like, uh, what does this word say? Oh, yeah. And what they would do through their book scanning project is it would break apart the individual words and the ones that it didn't know. It would present it would present a known one. So you type in Bob yes. and it would present like helicopter, which it couldn't read, and you would type helicopter. Well, if a thousand people say it's helicopter, they now know what that text yes. says. And so it's just making their products better and better and better. It's amazing how quickly it can happen. Yes. Yes. And now with these new servers so many gigaflops and whatever Mm -hmm. they can do so much processing on this stuff and just keep making it better so the google lens besides like a storefront it would also do you could hold up products or hold it up to a plant or Mm -hmm. hold it up to a contact of yours somebody that's in your google photos library so it's really so one of the things through this there was the Google Glass, the super nerdy cyborg glasses that everybody, all the super nerds were wearing a couple of years ago. Well, once they perfect this technology, mm-hmm. then you're going to have a great reason to want to use Google Glass. There wasn't really a great selling point in the software side of it before. But with this, if you could have a pair of glasses where it's giving you all this information all the time, and they, they had... I believe it's WordLens, the company they bought a couple of years right, ago. That's the one that does the automatic translation. You can hold your camera up and it'll translate a sign from whatever language in yeah, the world. If over you're, to, if you're a Spanish speaker and you have an English sign, you put it up there and it translates yeah. into Spanish in real time. It's very, very cool. So Google, they're, they're doing a lot of this stuff. We'll see what happens. They, some new VR stuff that they said is going to come by the end of the year, but nothing really concrete besides this Google Photos update that should be coming in the the Google Lens is something we should be seeing soon. So we'll keep mm-hmm. you updated on that. Um, speaking of a bunch of big words, there is a video called the Turbo Encabulator. <laughs> And it is a great video. We'll put it at the end of this show. You can listen to it, and I'll have a link to the YouTube video. But it is basically just a guy. It's what I imagine a lot of you guys think of us a lot of the time, just talking complete gibberish with all these tech terms. Uh, But it's completely made up, and it is completely amazing. So I'll put that in the show notes. Before we forget, let's get back to Dave's tip. Yes, tip of the week. I've got a good one for you, and it's 
always very relevant to what's going on in my life. Yes. So today I was at work and I noticed in a common area, a cell phone had been left in a chair and I'm like, well, someone's going to come by and swipe that thing. Cause there's a lot of people in the building and stuff. So I, I kind of knew this, but it just kind of intuitively, I started pushing the home button. Of course it's locked. And I saw a couple text messages. I'm like, I don't know these people. So I held down the button and I asked Siri, whose phone is this? And she replied back, I believe this phone belongs to Erica. And I was like, I know who Erica is. And so I put it in her office. But that's the uh, the tip of the week. If you find an iPhone that's out in the wild somewhere and you're thinking, how do I reconnect this? I'm just going to hold on to it while somebody tries to call me or whatever. You can just simply ask Siri if it's enabled whose phone it belongs to, and it'll usually let you know. Now, outside of that, it may not give you much more information, but at least having the name of the person can narrow it down if it's a group of people that you know. So Yes, let's try it. I tried before the show and it worked, but okay. we know how this works yeah. while we're recording. Hey Siri, whose phone is this? I believe this iPhone belongs to Nate. Yeah. There we go. It worked. Yeah. So I didn't even have to touch the button. I picked it with just, the lift to, yeah. lift to on. And <laughs> <laughs> That's the technical term. <laughs> yes. Um, it, you saying that reminds me, anybody that follows me on Twitter or Facebook, friends with me, is friends with me or the Not Nerd stuff, knows that I like to make sure people have the correct information. Mm-hmm. I find satisfaction in correcting people, especially <laughs> in tech information on the internet. Yeah. There was an article probably about six months ago, talking about the same feature, but they're like, you've got to turn that off because somebody could find out what your name is and then they can track you down and get your address. And I'm like... They could just ask you what your name is. Yeah, so if somebody gets your phone, if somebody steals your phone, they don't want to know where you live. They want to sell your phone and get money for drugs. Yeah. And if they do want to find you, that's basically what I said. I said, I would much rather have somebody that wants to give my phone back, be able to give it back, than worry about somebody mm-hmm. using stealing my phone to find out my name to track me down to my house. It seems like there's other easier ways. Yes. What if they just follow you around? Yeah, follow me home. <laughs> yeah, boom, that's yeah. easy. <laughs> so yeah, it's that but it's a very good paranoia. Yes, exactly. Yeah, well, good, good point. So I could not find an Android equivalent for this, although you can install Google's find my phone features. I couldn't find a simply ask your Android device and tell you the name, but for iPhones, it works great. So nice. Try it out. Well, I had a little bit of a tip as well. It's something that I actually saw posted on Facebook by one of our local news stations. Oh boy. And I saw several links of it and I don't know. I'm always curious why, KGW would decide to pick up this story. They just get all these AP Newswire stories and just repost them. Mm -hmm. But the tip was, if you go into the calculator app on iPhone, you will notice that you don't have a delete button. So if you type in the wrong number, you would think you have to hit the C to clear it and start over. Well, if I type in a number and then I just swipe on the number either direction, up in the number area, it'll delete it, and then you can make the correction you need to. And just to be clear, if you type in 1,256, it'll just delete the six, and then yes. the five. Yeah, one number at a time. And then the one. Yep. It doesn't clear the whole thing, so it's one digit at a time. Very yep. nice tip. So, I tried it out KGW. when I... Yeah. 
<laughs> helping the world tech better. KGW. Yes. Oh, and speaking of KGW. Oh, boy. It's time for a low five. So, a year ago, in episode seven, entitled, Get Your Pants On. <laughs> oh, yes. From February 12th. 2016. Well, and I'm telling you that all the time, and so I'm a little confused what that show <laughs> yes, was about. Yeah, specifically on that one. Yeah. So that one, we had an article from KGW, the same news site, mm-hmm. about the teen texting codes. Oh, yes. Remember this? And you were trying to guess. Oh, that's yeah. what the, I think that's what the keep, you guessed yeah. Uh, for G-Y-P-O, I think you guessed, get, get, get your, your pants, pants on. on. Yeah. And <laughs> so today I'm scrolling through Facebook and here's KGW. Guess what they have? The same article recycled. Am I, am I close? It's almost the same article, the same exact. This one's called Cracking the Secret Codes Kids Use on Social Media. <laughs> and they their little quote on Facebook was, Parents, do you know what the texting codes POS, GNOC, LH6, and PAL mean? A lot of good info for parents here. Uh, the comments on Facebook were actually pretty funny. I'll link to the Facebook post. But yes, it is another article basically recycled. Mm-hmm. You know, a year year afterwards, they've probably done a couple more in between. They've got to keep people scared and fearful, yeah. so they keep tuning into the news to see what's going on. But Dave, I figured I would ask you, <laughs> oh boy, a couple of these terms. Uh, we'll try to find some family safe ones. Okay. Um, POS obviously is point of sale. Yes. So again. You might want to... Oh, so they start off with like a bunch of common ones that people would know, like 143, which you didn't know last year, which is I love you. Uh, Today, what do you think that stands for? Uh, the number two and then D-A-Y. I'm not, I, I'm not advanced enough to answer that one. Today oh. is what it stands for. Okay, I thought it was being uh, tricky. A-F-A-I-K, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. So... It's got those a bunch. are some easy ones. Yes. Let's get to the, those the are ones. Those are the safe ones that you know are just common, but then we get into the... They have 112 in this list. I'm going to make sure I'm on the right... Well, while you're looking right at article. that... Oh, that's last year's article. We could go to this year's article. <laughs> well, while you're looking for that, I was uh, with a coworker today, and she had said, oh, my, my, my kids use the word, that's so lit in the car, and I was like... Hey, you guys know that's like a drug reference, a marijuana reference or something. And the kids are like, no, mom, you're so old. That's not what it means. It means it's really cool. And so she kind of felt stupid that she didn't really know. Yes. So I introduced her to the knowyourmeme.com. Ah, uh, nice. So. Yeah, that comes through because it is impossible to know yeah. all the memes. So this article, the one from this year, written by Jennifer Jolly, a special <laughs> article for USA that's Today. Not her real name. I would hope not. Uh, so it gives you, you know, LOL, all the normal ones, BRB, JK. I don't hear JK much anymore. But then it goes into the, here's the most recent list of the top sneaky terms that teens use. Let's hear them. I can't wait. Okay. So uh, we might have done this one last year. MOS. Move your stump. <laughs> Mom over the shoulder. So you would text MOS to somebody so that they wouldn't respond with something. Oh, M-O-T-S. Oh, here. What? I don't even understand this one. A-D-R. All dancing ready. What's your address? What? 
That doesn't even... It's not the abbreviation for address. Oh, apparently 99. You know what? 99. Are your kids using 99 all the time? Mm, let's uh, go to the dollar menu at, at McDonald's. <laughs> I wish. Parents are gone. What? I don't... 99. This list is so... Um, there's a couple very inappropriate ones. There's uh, KYS. For Kill your sister. Kill yourself. Ah. Uh. But it's like I was joking. It's terrible. <laughs> but it's like who's texting? I I just I don't know. <laughs> and the last one on the list, GYPO. Get your pants on. Get your pants off. Off. There it is on the list. <laughs> uh, and then it does give some apps for watchdog apps for parents to kind of be able to yeah. keep track of that, which some of those we've covered before. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so last year's was just a long list of 112. This one, they shortened it up a little bit just to give you, of course, some well, of them are sexual in nature. And To be fair, I need to read through these because I do have teens and... I occasionally look at their what they're texting back and forth. So you know, it might be useful to might look at good. something like this, but it's like, come on, you're recycling the same article over and over again. And it's, it's a little, a little extreme. Some of these ones are <laughs> like this one, <laughs> the top one. I'll do one inappropriate one. Five, three, X. Five, three, oh, it spells S-E-X. It's a sneaky way to type sex. How is that sneaky? It's, it's so obvious <laughs> when you look at it. So, yeah, it's a little sensationalist, but it is a good reminder for parents. Hey, pay attention to what your kids are doing. And if you're concerned about them, maybe try to figure out if they seem to be talking a lot of code. And I maybe I mentioned this last time. If they've got a calculator and they're typing in 531008 and turn it upside down, you forgot the second eight. That's buoys. <laughs> then they are into nautical things. Yes. Don't let them on the water. Yes. Yes. Uh, five three one eight zero zero eight upside down on a calculator spells. I'll tell you what. You try it out. Yeah. Try it out. Try it out on your Apple yeah. calculator, iPhone calculator, and then you can swipe to erase it. Yeah, it comes full so circle. nobody sees. Okay. So enough of that. Uh, quick. Another quick security article. Well, my talk about WannaCrib. I don't know. I need to stop using the word quick. That's going to be in the not nerd yeah. drinking game. <laughs> Every time Nate says quick and then it, it's uh, 45 minutes yes. of pontification. So this is actually something that our buddy, Mike Peterson, friend of the show. Hey, Mike. Uh, sent us on Twitter and he actually is killing us in balls. Really? Yeah. He So Game Center is really weird on the iPhone and this mm-hmm. stupid, annoying app balls that I just need to delete. So Game Center is Apple's like way to keep track of who you play games with, but they switched it up and they got rid of the app, so you can't really add people you anymore. You have to do it through Through game. certain games, and not all games let you do it. So if I it's... go into balls and look at um, the scores uh, out of... Oh, and a, another friend... Um, Jonathan Hager, uh, Carol's husband, he comes in fourth with 18 points. Come on. Uh, Dave is third at 139. I have 177. And Michael Peterson now has 331 points for his it's, score. He's cheating. He, he has probably an Android is. phone, doesn't he? Well, he's probably doing some kind of hack. He's hacking. He's it. a hacker. And Jared, I was talking to him. I think he's just below blow you dave he's yeah. got caught the fever too if you guys uh want to befriend us on game center just let us know my my handle on game center is davey b d-a-v-y-b and i'm assuming yours is netback 
Uh, yes, I believe it is. N-E-T-B-A-C-K. So look us up. I don't know if you can connect with people through that. It's kind of a lame system. And yeah, they they remove the Game Center app. So now it's really hard to connect to people. So yeah, we'll I don't know. This game, Balls with a Z, does not let you add people. But I need to track down a game. I'll do that for That's... next week. So after that sidestep with Mike's high score, he shared an article with us. Uh, that I thought was interesting. We've talked a lot about password managers. Guess what I'm going to be doing the rest of sh- the show. <laughs> put it down, Dave. Okay, I'll put it down. Um, we've talked a lot about password managers. LastPass, yeah. OnePassword, mm-hmm. and an the Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> yes, a notebook in your pocket, a piece of paper, sticky note. Yes, but with these, the online ones. What you do is you're copying the password and then it's pasting. It's using a script in your web browser if you're mm-hmm. on the computer to be able to do that, or you can go in, copy it, and paste it where you need to. Well, there's several sites that will not let you paste it for whatever reason. They feel that that's more secure. And it's super annoying when you come across those. Sites. Yes. So this is an article from the National Cyber Security Centre Center in the UK. Oh, okay. The yes. RE. Yes, RE spelling. Uh, But they're talking about why password pasting is a good thing because it allows you to have better passwords because you're not having to remember long, different passwords for every site. Right, and so a real scenario would be you go into a website that doesn't allow you to copy and paste the password in, and so you get in the habit of making a a very terrible, short, easy-to-remember password so you don't have to reference your material every time, and that just makes it for a weaker internet. But if you allow people to copy and paste, they're going to do like a 16-digit multi-numbered password that's impossible to crack. Yes. So. I agree with them. When I read through the article, I was like, you know what? Let people paste in the password for whatever security problems it presents. It solves way more problems. Yeah. And the password managers aren't perfectly secure, but they are the best way that we currently have to do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, One more quick take. (laughs) My misnomer of the year. That was pretty quick though. Yes. Jason Snell over at Six Colors wrote an article. So there was an article that went around everywhere this week. Mm-hmm. You probably saw it. I saw it all over the place. I my saw Facebook like three feed. iterations of it. Yes. That said the MP3 file is dead. The mm-hmm. format. The MP3 format is dead, which MP3s, if you don't know what an MP3 is, you're probably not listening to a podcast. <laughs> you just were thought out. Yes. And you're a Neanderthal person. <laughs> yes. Uh, That's what the file format we use for podcasts. So the headlines were all saying that it's dead and a bunch of major publications kind of ran with this of this interview with the founder of the MP3 format who Mm -hmm. had the patents on the MP3 format. And he did this interview and said, you know what? MP3 is dead. Everybody needs to be using AAC. Mm -hmm. Which Which is advanced audio codec. Yes. And, AAC is a better format, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, MP3 is still a good enough format. It is not a broken format. It's very well compressed. It works well. And it's everywhere. Everywhere. If you have a music collection on your computer, there's a good chance that it's an MP3 format. I have, you know, I think I'm getting close to 70,000 songs on my Mm -hmm. laptop. Wow. And 
almost all of them are MP3 files. And they all fit. You don't need them to be smaller. No. And most podcasts are done in MP3. Some are Mm -hmm. AAC. And both of them, the nice thing is, is as users, we don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Because a lot of what we're doing now is streaming or you don't need to know the file type because most players will play anything. Mm -hmm. Well, once people kind of looked at this with a critical eye instead of let's get an article out first, they realized that... All he was saying is the patents have expired, so he cannot make money on transcoding MP3s anymore. And he does make money because he gets paid when people transcode with AAC files. Because he has some patents for that as well. Yes. So imagine that. He has a very vested interest in saying that, oh, we shouldn't be using MP3s anymore because guess what? He doesn't get paid anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was just listening today. uh, Somebody had called into a podcast looking for a high school student that wanted to do music production. So he was kind of asking, you know, what's the best software to get me in? to music production and what they were talking about, I think it was recorded before this story came out, uh, was this free option, but then you had to pay a $10 add-on to be able to export to MP3 format. Mm, mm. And this is exactly why, because there is patents. Well, somebody else I heard, I can't remember who it was this week, said one of the articles I read, it might've been this one, is the fact that there are many software vendors in the music uh, industry that have been waiting for this day. Mm-hmm. They have updates ready to push out. So now that they can offer this MP3 transcoding that was under these patents, they can for offer free. it for free now yeah. because they don't have to pay these royalties to mm-hmm. this um, this kind gentleman that wanted to remind us that <laughs> if he wants to keep making a living that we should use AAC files. So there was a lot of misinformation in that. Mm-hmm. And then as usual, the next day, the truth comes out. But the truth, the truth was not everywhere. The truth was limited to us in the tech bubble yeah. while KGW didn't post a correction saying yeah. that. what the heck, KGW? Yeah. <laughs> but the bottom line is, is that MP3s are still going to be used. They're not going to go anywhere. And they'll probably be more prevalent because it's the free option now. Yeah. And it's yeah. good enough technology. I could buy a BMW minivan to haul my family around. But my Mercury does just fine. Just fine. Fraunhofer. That's the guy who um, has the patents. Um, but yeah, that's patents expire. Uh, but that does not mean it's gone. That usually means a good thing because more people can do stuff with it. So next up, it's time for our Picks of the Week. Nicely done. A little less ghost-like. Got <laughs> yeah. a little more energy. I was kind of scared last week. Well, I kind of hemmed and hawed around with my Pick of the Week. And this is a pick of the week that I do not own yet, yet, but I'm going to own one. The amount of research Dave has already done on this product is more research than you've done on any tech product that you already own That's and know true. how to use. I've, I've clocked a couple hours now in watching videos and reading articles and doing side-by-side test comparisons. Well, um, many of you know I'm interested in video and audio production and these type of things. And and we record our show here and I edit the show, but I also like to do video and I occasionally do side projects with video. And I'm always looking for, cause I'm not a rich man. So I'm looking for cheap alternatives to do multi-camera setups. And uh, we have uh, a decent camera that we can use, 
But if I want a second camera, I'm kind of like, well, I'm going to borrow a GoPro from Nate or I'm going to use an old iPhone or my current iPhone. And it just kind of gets out of control. Well, Polaroid, a name that you are probably familiar with but haven't looked at in the past. Shake uh, it like a Polaroid picture. Yeah. So the Polaroid name has kind of gone through the gutter. It was sold off uh, individually to different companies and different technologies. So the Polaroid of today is not the Polaroid of yesteryear. It's not your grandpa's Polaroid. But they have consistently gone from making really terrible cash-in-the-name products to some decent products. And one of those products is the Polaroid Cube. The Polaroid Cube is a tiny camera that's like two inches by two inches by two inches. It's just a cube with a lens in it. And it's got a magnet on the bottom, which is awesome. And it's got a little door on the back to access some controls. Well, they've iterated on this product and they now have the Polaroid Cube Plus. And there's a new one that's even newer that just came out. That's the Polaroid Cube Plus live streaming. Mm. And I'm not convinced that that's actually a different project uh, product. I think they've just added some software to this thing. But let's talk about the, the Cube Plus. I've seen many side-by-side videos with the Hero Session, which is uh, Hero's uh, cheaper alternative. GoPro. Yeah, it's their, their GoPro alternative that's not $500, but it's still like $250, $300 or something yes. like that. And I watched several videos of side-by-side comparisons with the Polaroid Cube Plus and the Hero Sessions and, you know, this other brand of uh, action camera and this brand of action camera and this brand of action camera. And I could not find anything that was even close to offering as good a picture as the cube plus for the same money Hmm. right now on Amazon. And we'll put a show uh, a link in the show notes, 89 99. You can get one of these things. And this is going to be my birthday slash father's day gift. If I can convince my family to buy me something, because I usually just buy a bunch of junk anyway. But for under a hundred bucks, a secondary camera that performs really well, I sign me up. Yeah. The magnet on the bottom means you don't need a tripod for many situations. Uh, if you want to use a tripod, there's a little uh, cases that you can snap onto it and hook it into a standard tripod. There's an underwater case that you can put it in, just like uh, GoPro. Yeah, yeah. I'm seeing. I'm looking here. I was curious, and they have a case that makes it compatible with all the GoPro accessories. Yeah, with the little connector. Because GoPro has a huge. I mean, they're kind of the standard. They have a huge accessory base. I bought that fifty-in-one GoPro yeah. case thing with all yeah. the attachments. So and, if I got this with an adapter, I could use your your, yeah. your thing. But I'll they've see. got all these little cute little. There's a flexi pod, like weird look. It looks like the Loch Ness monster with a magnet that you stick this thing on. And there's like stuff to mount it in the front of your car for like a, a driving cam, or you could stick it on the roof of your car. You, I mean, it, the possibilities are endless. It's a small little cube that's a camera. So it can practically go anywhere. Stick it in your pocket with you and take it with you if you want. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to get one of these. I'm going to try it out. But from the video that I saw, it is good enough. I mean, nice. it's comparable to like an iPhone 5S camera. Yes. And so. I look forward to your video review of a video camera. <laughs> That'll. What little inception. What will I record it on? <laughs> yes. I'll have to get two. Yeah, there you go. You might as well. Might as well get two. Well, yes, that does look like a good product. Uh, I do have a GoPro and uh, they are nice, but this Polaroid, I mean, at 90 bucks, 
It, it's tough to beat. Yes. You could buy five of these. And it the doesn't cost. have the 4K video, but... It's 1080p. Yeah. And it'll take a higher resolution uh, picture if you want to. And I actually, I think you can do the 1440 video, but it's it's the 4 by 3 ratio. Oh, okay. Not, not the widescreen. Not the widescreen. So if you want widescreen video, it's 1080p. But honestly, everything I shoot is in 1080p because, again, it's good enough and the yeah. file size is manageable. You go on up to 4K, it's ridiculously... It's crazy huge well my pick of the week this week i went with a little something different here in the pacific northwest we have had one of the worst winters wettest winters coldest winters in many a moon we have some nice weather this weekend mm-hmm. it, yesterday was okay today low 80s and then it's supposed to be in the 90s in the next couple days so i wanted to bring out a product that i purchased. I believe I saw an infomercial on it. Oh boy. And I actually, I got it as a gift. Okay. I had it on my Amazon wish list, And so somebody purchased it for me several years ago. I need to start ago. putting stuff on my wish list and make it I, public. Year round. I keep my wish list going and then we could even put it on not nerd. If somebody wanted to buy us a gift, wow. they could go buy us a gift on the Amazon wish list. Maybe somebody wants to buy you that camera, Dave. Maybe. And you're just not giving them the opportunity. Hmm. I, I learned long ago, Always allow people the opportunity to bless you. Yes, true. So this product is the Spin Chill Portable Drink Chiller. Now, I am a fan of drinks, <laughs> and I'm an f- extra fan of cold drinks. Okay. Now, this product has come through a couple times. A couple years ago, 4th of July, we show up at my sister-in-law's parents' house out in the Hood River area, Somebody brought the soda, hadn't been on ice. It was just warm, and it was like 85 degrees out. We yeah. had a bunch of warm soda. <laughs> That's so the I worst. said, you know what I've got in my car? I've got my spin chill. Wow. So I go back, and I grab it, and it's a small, uh, I don't know, kind of looks like a very tiny drill that you could hold in your hand. It has mm-hmm. a handle, and then there is a suction cup that goes just on the top of a soda can, and... Then what you do, Dave is shaking his head in disbelief, but I will prove to you, Dave, we will go down after this and I will prove to you how well this thing works. I'll make a video for everybody to show Mm -hmm. just how good this thing is. It's hard not to laugh. I know, I know I was a doubter. I didn't (laughs) think it would be good. So what you do, you take your single can, you put it into this suction cup. It takes a couple double A, four double A batteries. Then you lay it down in ice. So whether it's in your freezer, in the ice tray, or in a cooler, and you put it, and then it spins at a very high rate. Okay. Well, this is a carbonated beverage. It doesn't affect carbonated beverages. What? Yeah. Trust me. There's a Coriolis effect going on there or something. Yeah, because that was my big thing. It's like then when you go to open this, great it's cold but it's all gonna spray everywhere <laughs> yeah. doesn't shake it up at all you leave it in there for a couple minutes you know two three minutes they say it gets your drinks cold 20 times faster than usual 20 uh, times i demand i demand science i'm calling on you mark and Toddcast. i want mark to explain to me how spinning a can is going to make it cool faster than it just sitting still. Yeah. I don't understand. I would think the friction would actually cause it to cool yeah, more something slowly. Something with the way that it works and with the spinning. So you just 
put it in there, let it go for a couple minutes, then you take it out and it is, and it's not just the can gets cold. Mm -hmm. The drink is cold to the core. So this is a great product. Summer coming up. If you might get in a pinch, you're not going to want to chill a whole 12 pack. You could, but you, it's better to plan ahead. I want to see have the your big one chilled. that can hold a six pack on <laughs> there. Just spinning this huge, <laughs> a keg chiller. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So the spin chill, it's mm. some simple technology, but the science behind it is impressive. <laughs> Dave's still shaking his head in disbelief, I'd... but I'm telling you this thing works like nothing I else I have ever tried to chill a drink. Hmm. Liquid so, nitrogen, maybe. Look out for the video on that. I will put an Amazon link to that. I'll put an Amazon link to Dave's. The other products we talked about, because we are Amazon affiliates, Yeah, we don't have advertisers at this point, but you can go shop through those links at Amazon or at amazon.notnerd.com. It's a lot of dots, but a it's lot of worth dots. it. Trust us. And then we get a little kickback for everything you buy that helps us uh, retire faster. <laughs> <laughs> Currently, right. we're we're set for 102 years old, yeah. and we're hoping to take that down to 98, yes. where we can retire. But yes, the spin chill. Uh, don't my, doubt me. I'm gonna I'm gonna prove this to you, Dave, and you're head, gonna be amazed. My neck is sore from shaking my head. <laughs> I know he is violently shaking his head this entire time. But with that, we're gonna wrap up episode 76 of the Not Nerd Podcast. We hope you learned something today. Hope you, that we were able to help you tech better. We love your questions. We love your interactions. Facebook's probably the best place mm -hmm. to communicate as a group, but Twitter, email, phone, whatever you want to do, uh, get in touch with us if you have any tech questions. We just, we'd really, before you make any tech decisions, ask us. Mm -hmm. We might not know specifically, but there's a good chance we do because we spend a lot of time. If you're sitting tech. there at Best Buy and you're like, should I get the uh, $80 thing or the $75 thing? I don't know. Help, help me not nerd. You're our only hope. Yes. We then can. there's a good chance that we have looked at those products and yeah. would have some input for you. So yeah. that's what we do here at Not Nerd. Uh, we keep bringing you great tech information, helping you tech better. And we're going to sign off episode 76. Have a good one.